Just welcome him up. All right. Thank you, Aaron. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? It's holiday weekend. That's good, right? And um, some folks are obviously gone, but we're glad that you're here this morning. And um, Pastor Cameron has been um, spending the last few weeks, probably a couple of months, going through the Sermon on the Mount passage from Matthew's Gospel, and he's been going through section by section. And he'll be back next week, and he'll be picking up where he left off in that series. And so this morning, um, we're going to actually be looking at a different section of Matthew's Gospel. And I want to um, talk this morning about uh, one of the things that's really important to us here at New Day. So, it, uh, you know, if you come to New Day um, frequently, you'll know that there's some some things that we consider to be kind of at the core uh, of who we are as a church. Some things that we really emphasize a little bit more maybe than other things. Just things that we feel like are very core to who we are and to our identity as a church body. And one of those things is that we talk about God speaking and we we talk about hearing the voice of God. And so if you've come to New Day for any length of time, you've probably heard a teaching, a sermon, or a reference to the fact that God speaks today. And that's kind of one of our, our bottom line foundational things that, we, that really comes through in all of our ministry here at New Day, that God is speaking today. And we really hold on to that very, very strongly. And also that God is speaking in, in lots of different ways to us and that God speaks to us all the time. So those are some, some core principles, some core things that really come through in the ministry here at New Day. And that's something that uh, if you're part of our church family, that we really want you to be able to, to get a hold of in your life and to really be able to, to walk through that God is speaking. So that's, but that's one part of, the, part of it, right? So we learn how to hear God's voice and we begin to hear God speaking to us in the lots of different ways that God speaks. But then the question becomes, what do we do with that word once God has spoken it to us? What do we do with that word? How do we receive that word? How do we let that word go deeply into our hearts? And so that's what I want to talk about this morning, is how do we let that word go into our hearts in a deep way so that it makes a difference in our lives and so it achieves the purpose that God has for that word when he spoke it to us? And so I want to spend some time this morning, like I said, in Matthew's Gospel. That's going to be our main text for this morning, is uh, one of the most famous parables that Jesus spoke. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to just share one passage from the Old Testament. And so let's um, look at, at this passage from Isaiah. And this may be um, familiar to some of you. And I just want to read it. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So from this Old Testament prophecy, from this word, we see that God's word comes to us with a purpose. 
God's word comes to us with a purpose. And God's word also includes, when he gives it, God's word includes this character, this ability, this power to see itself fulfilled and to accomplish something. So God's word has this quality to it where it can produce and harness the very thing it's talking about. So God's word has this ability to make something happen. It has a purpose. And when God speaks to us, we need to not just hear the word, but understand the purpose behind the word that God has spoken to us. So our time this morning will mostly be focusing on one of the, like I said, one of the most kind of famous parables that Jesus shared during his ministry. And it's actually found in two different passages of scripture. It's found in Matthew's gospel and it's found in Mark's gospel. And sometimes you'll find that there's one story, but it's told in two different places. And we're mainly going to be using Matthew's gospel, but we will also touch a little bit in Mark's account of this parable. And um, this is the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower, it's probably familiar to some of us at least. And it's um, a parable in which Jesus is kind of in the middle of his teaching ministry. Lots of crowds are coming to Jesus. Lots of people are coming to him and they're being taught by him. It's a little bit after the Sermon on the Mount, that where we've been spending a lot of time recently. It's a little bit after that. It's in Matthew 13. And it's this account where the people come to Jesus and he shares this parable with them. So, so let's, let's read it together. And remember, as, as, uh, as this is being taught, Jesus is teaching a large group, but he's teaching his disciples as well. His closest followers are right there. And so let's uh, read this parable together. Starting in verse 1 of Matthew 13, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So you have the picture, there's so many people that Jesus has to get on into a boat right by the shoreline and he sits and he teaches from the boat and the people are gathered listening on the shore. He told them many things in parables, and this is one of the parables that Jesus shared. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So, like I said, the disciples were part of this larger crowd, Jesus' closest followers. And um, in true uh, fashion, like we see consistently in the, in the gospel stories, they didn't understand what Jesus was saying. And so... You know, the crowds disperse, they all go home, and a little bit later, the disciples go to Jesus and they say, that parable about the sower, is there any way you could explain that to us? Because we didn't really understand what you were were getting at there. So Jesus is uh, gracious enough to explain it to them, and we find the explanation a little bit further on in this chapter, starting in verse uh, 18. Here we go. Listen then to what the parable of the sower 
means, and this is Jesus speaking, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So this imagery of a farmer sowing seed is, is, is one of those universal images. And we can easily imagine uh, back in, in the time when Jesus was speaking that a farmer would walk along and have a bag of seed and he would just throw the seed. He would just scatter that seed wherever he was walking. And even, in, even today, even though we're separated by about 2,000 years of, of history, we readily grasp this image of a seed being planted in the ground, of getting the soil conditions right, and of expecting something to grow. Uh, perhaps you might even be sowing seed around this time of year yourself. I know in our yard, you know, there's those bare patches of grass that every year never seem to grow grass. And so in our lawn, we go out and, and we sow grass seed. Maybe it's where the dog has dug a hole and you go out every year and you put some grass seed in there and hope that it grows back and fills in. Or maybe like us, you have this big tree that casts so much shade over one part of your yard that the grass just refuses to grow. And every year you go out and kind of throw some grass seed out there and hope that something happens. I don't know if that's you, but every year we at least try to to make our lawn look totally perfect, right? And you sow that seed. I remember a few years ago uh, at our home, we decided we wanted to put a patio in, this concrete patio. And so to start that, that job, we went out and started digging up the grass that was there. And we made this area where this patio was going to go. And so, of course, we get everything ready. We come in, we pour the concrete, finish the concrete. And at the end, the patio was looking great. The problem is we had this pile of dirt all the way along the edge of the patio where we'd had to dig it up, where we'd had to prepare to pour the concrete. And so to finish the job, we needed to sow grass seed to make it blend in with the rest of the yard. And so we did everything we were supposed to do. We went to the store and uh, bought some grass seed. Right, and I learned there's not just like common grass seed; it's like super fancy, genetically modified grass seed. Right? I don't know if anyone's noticed that, but we have this super grass seed now that you can get in the store. And we also got the the soil that is supposed to have all this nutrients built in. So again, the grass has a greater chance to grow. Right? So I'm feeling pretty confident. So I go out and I get all the soil leveled off. I get rid of all the extra dirt we didn't need right there. And I sow the grass seed, and then it starts the ritual of watering your new grass seed twice a day, right? That's what you're supposed to do. So first thing in the morning, before work, I get up, and I water this grass seed. And then right before going to bed, I water this grass seed. Has anyone else had to do this ritual? Where you, you know, So uh, I don't know exactly how long it's supposed to take, but after a week, I got nothing. I got no grass. And in fact, when I really looked, all I'd managed to do was wash all the grass seed off the dirt and down my driveway. 
And so I thought, yeah, this, isn't, this isn't going to plan. Something, something's up. And I realized it wasn't the seed that was the problem, and it wasn't the watering that was the problem. The problem was the soil. And I hadn't put the seed in the soil in a way where it actually had a chance to take root. And so I uh, decided another strategy, and so I sowed all the grass seed a second time and took extra care to make sure it was just the right depth into the soil and did my watering routine again. And lo and behold, the grass comes up. And every day I'd come home, and I would see that grass getting stronger and stronger. And, the, you know, and you let it really grow a little bit higher before you cut it. So the first time you cut that grass, it feels good that it's come in, right? And the job is done. Well, that's what Jesus is talking about here, the importance of the soil, the importance of getting the conditions right so that whenever the, the seed goes in, it has a chance to grow. Except in this parable, this way that Jesus is using to teach us, the soil and the seed stand for something else. And the seed is the word of God that goes out. In the image of the, of the farmer scattering the seed, we might say that the word of God is being scattered, but probably would use a word like proclaimed or broadcast. The word of God is going out. God is speaking and his word is being heard by lots of different people. And the soil represents our hearts, our minds, different ways that we receive God's word. And so let's look at those different types of soil. So first of all, we have the soil that's kind of the path, right? It's, it's, the seed hits the path. And so you can imagine a path that people are walking. Maybe it's at the edge of a field. Maybe it's a way that you cut through. And so that soil is packed hard. It is completely packed hard. And the seed has no chance of getting into that soil. The seed just hits the soil. And what happens? It just sits there. Or the birds come and eat it. Or it gets kind of kicked to the side as people are walking along. But either way, that dirt is not going to receive that seed. In those conditions, nothing is going to grow. Now, this soil is different than the other three types that Jesus talks about because this soil doesn't even receive the seed to start with. And what Jesus is saying here is that this is like people who hear God's word, but they don't receive it. They don't have the chance to respond to God's word because the conditions of their life are too hard. Their life is, is, their heart is too hard and they don't hear and don't receive this word from God. There's no way for this word to take root. And all of the potential for life, the potential for growth and the potential for harvest that is stored up in that seed as it hits that dirt has no chance to come to fruition. And there are two things at work here. One is the hardness of the soil, and two is the work of the enemy. So you'll notice that Jesus talks about the enemy comes in and snatches the seed away, snatches the word away. And so there's a combination of it's the hardness of heart and the work of the enemy that combines so that that word has no chance to take root. The second type of soil is the rocky soil. And here the seeds at least begin to take root, where the roots will go in a little ways and then it gets rocky. Then the soil 
produces these rocky conditions. And so those roots go in, but they stay shallow. There's no way for those roots to go deeper and deeper. And, you know, if you've ever been digging in your yard and you come across a rock, you know that you have an obstacle, right? A very real obstacle. And you've either got to get that rock out of the soil, you've got to somehow get around that rock, or you've got to dig somewhere else. Because the rock is just there, right? And it's not going to go away of its own accord. And in the same way, the word coming in to the, the type of soil that is rocky, the types of hearts that are rocky, you see that there is growth for a time. It even says there's a joyful receiving of God's word. But it stays shallow. There's a shallowness that is there. And why do the rocks come in and what do they represent? They represent the difficult times, the trials, the difficulties that come in in life when we hear God's word, when we're responding to it, when the tough times come that God's word doesn't have the ability to take root. There's not enough substance to the soil. The thorny soil in this in this stage, the, the, the seed has had even longer to take root. And, and it's taken root and the plants have even begun to emerge. The plants have begun to grow. But the problem with this type of soil is that there are other things that have also grown up along with the plant itself. There are other things that have grown up. Thorns that have grown up with this plant and that come in and they choke the plant. And they choke the life out of the plant. And Jesus tells us what these thorns represent. They represent the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth. And then in Mark's gospel, he adds another thing, another type of thorn, which is the desires for other things. And so we have these three things that the thorns represent, that when we hear God's word, God's word to us gets choked out by the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things. And they choke out the ability for God's word to grow and to produce a harvest in our life. These are the first three types of soil, and there's no harvest from any of these types of soil. There's no harvest from any of these types of soil because the seed cannot take root and grow long enough because the soil is too hard, there are too many rocks, or there's too many thorns. Finally, the good soil, the conditions that are right for growth. The conditions where the seed has the ability to come in and to put down deep roots, where the plant is able to grow up strong and produce a harvest multiple times over. And Jesus says that this represents the person who is able to hear God's word and to understand it. Mark adds from his version of this parable, the person who is able to accept God's word. So the soil, the good soil, represents people who are able to hear, understand, and accept God's word. And this is the soil that's ideal for growth. The soil, this type of soil is what Jesus points us towards and says, this is how you should live, that we would hear God's word and allow it to grow in our hearts and minds and allow it to produce results that God intended in our lives. If we're to be the good soil, how do we know that we're on track? How do we know if we're the type of soil that we should be? Well, Jesus gives us a couple of clues in the way that he 
um, unpacks this passage, the way he describes it for us. You know, this, this good soil is soil that obviously is, is the opposite of some of these other things, right? This soil has a softness to it. It's not like the, the soil that was of the path, right, that was really hard. There's a softness to the soil that is good, that it's able to receive seed, that it's able to receive God's word. There's a softness there that, it, that God's word can be received. Good soil doesn't have the rocks in it. So good soil, when the tough times come, the response is not rocky. You know, the, the, there's room for those seeds to grow and for those roots to grow as well. And the same with thorns. The good soil is free of thorns, free of some of these things that Jesus talked about that come in and choke out the plant as it grows. And so there are things that we know then that we should perhaps cultivate in our lives if we're imagining then that we are to have the good soil in our hearts and our minds to receive God's word. A couple of other points about the soil and, and this image, this parable of the, the sowing of the seed in the soil. Um, like I said, this is an image that we're very familiar with. Even in our day, we still rely on seed going into the ground and producing a harvest. And the image of the soil tells us a couple of really important things about this whole process of hearing God's word and responding to it and allowing it to produce um, something important in our lives. So the first thing that this whole image, this whole way of thinking tells us is that this whole process takes time. This whole process takes time. It, this image of sowing a seed and letting it go into the soil and letting it grow, this is an image that's very different than something that's instant, something that um, is a rapid result and something that's even guaranteed. When you sow a seed in the ground, that's going to take time to grow. When the conditions are just right and the right amount of time has transpired, then something will grow and a harvest will be produced. This process is slow and steady, right? Growth like this is slow and steady. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was listening to the radio and there was a reporter on there. He was talking to some local farmers. And you remember last month we had all that rain, especially up in Grand Rapids area. And the Grand River was like record high and all the fields were flooding. And the reporter was asking local farmers about them planting the crops for this year, especially the corn crop. And they said, you know, where are you in that in that process? And they said, we are way behind where we normally are in planting all of our corn crop for the year. And the reporter said, you know, well, what, you know, kind of what's what's next? And the farmer says, well, I have to wait for my fields to dry out before I can I can sow this crop. No point in sowing it while my my fields are flooded. It's just not going to grow. And she said, well, kind of what's your time frame? And he said, well, if these fields don't dry out in the next couple of weeks, I'm not going to be able to get my the seed in the ground and I'm not going to have long enough for the seed to grow and there won't be any harvest. And so this is a process that takes time. You plant in one season and you reap in another. And those growing seasons can be somewhere longer than others. But it's the same way when God speaks to us. Sometimes the harvest from that word is quick and sometimes the harvest from that word takes a long time. And this is an image of slow and steady growth. And so sometimes whenever we expect the instant 
turnaround, the guaranteed results, it doesn't always work quite like that. The second thing that um, this whole imagery of uh, a seed going into the soil talks about is that this whole process takes effort. So it takes time, but it also takes some effort. That when the roots begin to grow and they hit stones, it takes effort to get that stone out of the ground. It takes effort to dig the stone up. And when the thorns come in and threaten to choke the word of God in our lives, it takes effort to go in and to get the thorns out from among the plants that are growing strong. Now, we might be tempted to think that this isn't the case. It might seem like, man, if the seed goes in the ground, shouldn't it just produce results on its own? But if that was the case, we wouldn't need farmers to really cultivate after they had sown, right? We wouldn't need farmers to watch over. We wouldn't need, you know, there's all this extra work that goes in after you sow the seed. And Jesus doesn't really qualify this. He's, you know, he just says, you know, there are, there are types of soil that have rocks. There are types of soil that are, that are too hard to receive the seed. And there are types of soil that are too thorny for any real harvest. And so Jesus is, is quite clear that, you know, there are, there's just going to be these types of soil. And sometimes in our lives, those types of soil are, are there where we receive God's word and there's rocks that get in the way or there's thorns that come in, or sometimes our hearts are, are too hard where we can't even receive that word to begin with. You know, Jesus talks pretty openly uh, that there, there we will be these influences on our lives. The deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things will come in and, and threaten to choke out the word of God. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament is very... Um, very willing to talk about kind of the trials and the growth that comes in our faith and in our journey as we mature as Christians. Um, he uses a lot of imagery about people growing up in their faith, starting as infants and then growing into full maturity. He uses a lot of imagery to talk about the fact that there's a process where we grow, where we mature in our Christian faith. And in some ways, this is like this whole process where we cultivate good soil in our lives, where we grow to a place in our lives where we're able to be someone who is able to hear and accept and receive the word of God and to let it go deep into our lives. Paul uses a lot of um, different um, writings uh, to really talk about this whole idea of growth and nurturing. Uh, throughout the New Testament. And Paul says a lot of things to really encourage the believers in their faith. And so again, it's the idea of this growth in the Christian walk takes time. Responding to the word of God and letting it work in our lives, letting it work in our hearts and minds takes time and it takes effort. And Paul is very, you know, when you read Paul, it becomes clear that that's the case. That walking out the Christian life and understanding our faith and who Jesus is and how he speaks to us takes time. And as that takes time, we know that we can do our part to cultivate in our lives the conditions where we can hear God's word. I want to finish with um, just some words from Colossians as an example of the types of things that Paul says um, to the believers as he talks to them and as he encourages them. And these, are take, these words are taken from Colossians chapter 2. Paul says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him having been buried with him in baptism, in which you, 
sorry, go ahead, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. A little bit later in that chapter, he says, have been buried with him in baptism and yet which you were raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your sins and in your uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ and he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of your legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away and nailing it to the cross, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them and triumphing over them by the cross. And then he goes on, he has all these ways in which they are to live. All of these ways in which they are to um, just come against all of these influences. And the Colossians, you know, they were being tempted to follow all of these different traditions. And Paul goes on, and I won't take time to go into all of the different things, but they were being tempted. The word of God was being tempted to be crowded out in their lives, where they were really being encouraged to follow in a different direction. And Paul says instead that they're to stay focused, that they're to stay grounded in the word of God that came to them. So Paul's writings, and I'd encourage you to, you know, if you do have, if you do have time and you want to see the encouragement that Paul gives, pay attention especially to the prayers that Paul adds into his letters for the different believers. Pay attention to what Paul prays, because in those prayers we get glimpses of how we are to cultivate our lives and cultivate our hearts so that we can receive God's word. And so, as we close today, I want to spend just a moment as we pray together. And I want to just um, pray that um, together we kind of just think through this whole idea of receiving God's word. And just to remember that God is speaking to us today. And just as we read with that first scripture in Isaiah 55, that God's word comes to us with a purpose. And as we live lives where we're responding to God's word, to understand the purpose of why he speaks and understand how to receive and cultivate that word in our hearts. So maybe this morning you have thought about a word that God has spoken in your life, and maybe it's hit upon that hard soil. Maybe it's hit upon rocks, or maybe it's been crowded out by thorns in your life. And let's just take a minute and just ask that God would allow us to have good soil in our hearts so that we could hear and receive his word. So let's pray together. Father God, we just ask this morning that as we've heard your word, your story of the sower and the different types of soil, God, that you have encouraged us to think about ways that we can receive your word. Help us, God, to have soft hearts, God, to receive your word. Help us, Lord, to get rid of any stones, any thorns in our lives, God, that would cry out your word and what you want to do in our lives. God, we believe that you're speaking to us today, that your word comes to us with power and with purpose, God. Help us to receive your word in a way where it can live inside of us and it can go deep into our hearts and produce the purpose for which you sent it and for which you speak, God. Help us, God, to be able to produce a harvest in our lives as a result of hearing your word. And I pray, God, that you would be with us and guide us in this process. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.
All right, all right. Thank 